The internet's full of true crime podcasts. More and more are added to the list every day. Figuring out where to start or where to go next can be overwhelming. But have no fear, I'm here to help. I'm Bob Ruff, and this is the place to find your next true crime binge. I'm joined today by, of course, the lovely Erica Cantor, and uh, who's coming coming at us from her closet today. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. You're you know, like big, all professional podcasters. Let's say you're a big time podcaster now. You've moved into from the lab into your into your closet with your, <laughs> exactly your dirty laundry hanging up behind you. Um, that's all clean. Thank you very much. This is the, <laughs> this is the dirty laundry with the lid on it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're joined today. By Shane Waters, the host of the Foul Play podcast. How's it going, Shane? Going good. If I had my clothes behind me, I would not have that much clothes, so it wouldn't be very effective, unfortunately. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's not much of a sound buffer. No, yeah, at same all. problem. Um, Erica, did you, Erica, did you clean up your closet and organize it before coming on? Because I've seen some pretty awful closets over the years. No, doing this. no, and believe it or not, this is actually the boyfriend's clothing. So even he has it all hung up and organized, but. The rest of his clothes are on the bedroom floor for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because this is an audio show, but it's nice that you organized it for us. I feel special. <laughs> <laughs> you know, got to be professional. <laughs> I've had some people on that have like, they're completely oblivious to their backgrounds and I'll be looking like they're talking to me and I'm totally distracted. Like, I'm sorry. Is there a dead cat on your couch? What is, what is that? What is happening behind you? <laughs> My favorite is when is when you have someone who's who doesn't pay attention to what their uh, their camera's doing, and all of a sudden, like it's just oh, like yes. creeping down, or all of a sudden it's just like randomly or somewhere like, right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You're trying to still have a have a good conversation with someone, but like you're like staring at their eyeball half the time. That's always a, a fun time, and of course the listener knows nothing. Right? Yeah, because they don't see it. No, at all. Uh, Shane, you were uh, you are an investigator extraordinaire, and and I wanted if you if you will, you should tell the story you told us right before we we came on the air. Um, many of us over in at times have had people steal our credit card number. We get those notifications saying it's stolen. Um, Sean or uh, Shane had that happen to him and launched a full on investigation. <laughs> you want to tell him what happened? Yeah. Yeah, so I don't live far from South Bend, but I've only been to South Bend a few times, and I come into my podcast studio the other day, and I noticed some charges, some random charges at a Holiday Inn, and I was like, well, first of all, I was sick over the weekend, so I was at home, so I knew I was not at this Holiday Inn, so I was like, that's weird, you know? So I look up the address for this Holiday Inn, and I call them, and I was like, hi, um, yeah, uh, I didn't stay at your Holiday Inn, but you have some pending charges. And the manager's like, that's weird. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Can you tell me more? So she's like looking up, <laughs> she's like looking up all these details, and I'm like, "What's this person's name?" So she gives me all the all the person's name. She's like, "Well, the lady didn't have your physical card; she only knew the card number, and she signed up online." So I was like, "Okay, perfect." So I now I know like this lady's name, her address, and so I immediately want to like jump in my car and go to her house, but that's <laughs> not safe, you know. So I was like, "Don't do that, Shane," because you know I'm spiteful. Like this lady stole, you know, like two hundred dollars from me. I want to go to her house, you know. So instead, I look her up on Facebook, and I found this video of her like bringing her child to this holiday inn in South Bend for the child's birthday. And they had like this huge birthday party had all these people there. (laughs) Yeah. So like all these people are there and she's like celebrating it on this Facebook video. And I'm like, and I really wanted to comment on it and be like, Hey, the police are going to be knocking on your door soon. Feel bad for you, you know, but I wasn't that spiteful. So instead I like looked up like where she works and all this stuff so that when I call my credit card company, I wanted to like have all this information ready and available. So I call them up and the, you know, they do the normal information and they're like, do you have any idea who may have stolen your, your card information? 
you know, normally people, I guess, say, I have no idea. And I'm like, yeah, here's her name. Here's her address. Here's where she works. This is her work number. This is her mom's name. This is where her mom lives. And if Social you can't security go, yeah, number. Like, I'm like, get her information like this. Like, and like, I have the physical card, so I have no idea how she got my card number. So I'm like, find right. her and question her because like, this is crazy. So yeah, I was spiteful and I wanted everything. So that's how I started my day yesterday. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I had a similar thing happen to me like five years ago, but it was with it was with AT and T, and it was um, my my wife isn't particularly cautious, right? And and you know, with I had my credit card on file with AT and T for our cell phone bills and stuff to come through. Uh, well, all of a sudden, my phone shuts off. And her phone shuts off. And we're like, what the hell? Our phones wouldn't work. And, we, and of course, we don't have a landline. We had to, like, go to a neighbor's and borrow their cell phone. Or I think I got on my laptop and, like, did, like, a live <laughs> chat with customer service. I'm like, hey, what the hell is going on here? And uh, and come to find out these people had went into the AT&T store, said they were me, bought five brand-new iPhones, on and had them put them on my account, just charge my card that was on file for them. Oh my gosh! Changed the name of the account into their name, and then canceled all my lines, so I couldn't do anything. So they had like five new lines, canceled How? my line. Yeah. Well, as it turns out, I was like, and I'm How I'm yelling. Heck? Yeah, I'm yelling at him. I'm like, well, "How the hell is this possible? How can you just let a random person come into the store and 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 do this?" And they're like, we have security measures for that. Like, we will, we'll like send you a text message and say, hey, someone's trying to do this and send you like a code to make sure this doesn't happen. So I don't know how this happened. And Becky's sitting next to me. She's like, oh. She's like, what? She's like, well, I got a text from AT&T that had a code on it. And right away, someone called me and said, hey, this is so-and-so from AT&T. I need that code that just got sent to you. And so she gave it to him. And then, yeah, they, oh, it was a nightmare. Gosh. But I did something similar. I would like <laughs> like track the people down where they were at because they did it in like Florida, like like the guy's name, his address, everything, his email. Because like AT and T wasn't doing any. There, it was like this battle between AT and T and my credit card company of who was going to handle it. And I'm mm-hmm. like, li- listen, because one of you two, this is the dude. This is where he lives. That's where it is. Go arrest him. <laughs> Contact. The, I, yeah. I called. I called the. I eventually he got arrested because I ended up calling the local sheriff's department where he lived, and and said, "Hey, here's all this information. This guy did this with my account, and he's got my phones there. You can verify all this with AT and T." And they said, "Okay." They they opened a report and went and arrested him. But I wasn't as as professional as you. Mm-hmm. I did I did send an email to him after I talked to the police. And said, "Hey, motherfucker, enjoy the phones uh, because someone's about to be knocking on your door." <laughs> yes, I love the pettiness. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It was a it was a goddamn nightmare. And Erica, I'm noticing oh, like good you to know. <laughs> you you have all these notes about Shane, but you don't have like the thing that he's the most noteworthy for. Like, how did you miss this? He's, he's Shane Water. He's Shane's the guy that fucked that chicken in the UK. Oh yeah, she probably know why, about that. Got a, yeah, he got arrested what? for it. He was a chicken fucker, and that's why he named the podcast Foul Play. Yeah. Oh, my God. What? Yeah. Great. Now everyone who's listening to this, this is going to start this, this one whole of your bits? episode. Was this they, part no, of your this is, comedy look up, special? Look up Shane Waters' chicken fucker, and you'll see. I'd rather that, no, not. If, okay, here, here's the <laughs> I can story. Only... Here's the story. If you look up Shane Waters' UK... You're going to find this awful picture of this guy who, bless his heart, actually looks like, you know, he probably has sex with chickens, and he does. So, like, (laughs) here's the story. So, like, you know, as podcasters, you set up Google alerts when your name or your podcast name is used. And I have one. So, like, if a news station uses my name and my podcast together, it sends me an alert that it's used. So, I'm at my friend's house one day. And I get this Google alert that my name and my podcast was used in the UK and I open it up and it's, it says Shane Waters, dad of two arrested for having sex with chickens. And I'm thinking, (laughs) why is this UK company like this UK newspaper publishing this crazy article? Like, why are they, like, I thought it was a fake article and I'm just like, yeah, like this is crazy. (laughs) 
But this is also the same time that, like, this Kim Jong-un thing happened that we can go into in a minute. So I thought that was, like, related to this. So, yeah, I know. My she life missed is a hot all mess. this, Shane. She I'm missed so all of it. My, my, my life is a hot now. mess, I'm telling you. So I thought that, like, this was him getting back at something. So I thought, like, boy, he is, like, stooping low all of a sudden. So I messaged my friend who lives in England, and I was like, hey, is this a legitimate news station? And she's like, yeah, that's like one of the main papers here. Like, that's a legit article. So the gif of it is this guy named Shane Waters in the UK broke into this chicken coop and had sex with a bunch of chickens, killed a bunch of them. Uh, ends up leaving. Well, the next day, like the farmer comes and realizes that, hey, some something happened here. Pulls the camera footage and sees this guy broke in and did a bunch of bad things. So they oh, end up Shane catching Waters. him, chicken fucker. Yeah, chicken fucker. So they end up catching him. He goes I can to court. Only imagine right? what security footage looked like. Yeah. Well, he goes to court for this, and the awful thing is, is this hasn't been the first time he's done this to chickens or other animals. He's done this to horses, which like. I got lots oh of questions. Oh, my God. I got lots of questions, but I don't want to know the answers to it. But he's also oh. done it to a Great Dane, which is, oh you know. God. But, like. All I'm, th- all I'm thinking about right now is that my mom listens to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, your mom. Hi, Mrs. Cantor. And, sorry. But, like, you have to also imagine that I'm sitting here on my friend's couch reading this article about this guy who shares my name. And I'm sitting here thinking, like. What is this guy? T- and the judge in this case is like, we're going to throw the book at you, dude. Like, you're messed up. And I'm like, this is awful. Like, this guy is doing this crap to these animals. Like, this is absolutely horrible. And then I'm sitting here thinking, like, this is a- like, I share a name with this guy. It's absolutely horrible. Well, that was the end of it. I thought, okay, I'm never going to hear this again. Then I start getting these emails, right? Okay. I didn't even think about this. <laughs> So I, I, I continue to get these emails. And for those of you who are in the K emailing, emailing me, if you're listening, I'm hearing you. I'm getting it. I understand it. But if you're not, <laughs> this is the problem, okay? And if you've not you gotten it up to this podcast, point. You your podcast Foul Play. Yes. So I get Why would all they think people, you're not the chicken fucker? <laughs> yeah. All these people in the UK are emailing me because they're, they're keeping up with This is a big case in the UK. Right. And they see this and they go look for more information and they come across this foul play podcast and they're like, oh, my God, this guy, this chicken dude has a podcast (laughs) called foul play. Like, why is this not in the news right now? Why is no one talking about like it's a huge conspiracy over there. Right. So all these people (laughs) then like spend all this time finding out that it's not the same same Shane Waters. And they email me and they're like, hey, I have spent a whole lot of time out of my life. Why are you not covering this? And I started like writing an episode about it. But the problem is, is no one has a tolerance for people who do things to animal do things yeah. to animals. So you can't like make it, That's you know. Not fun. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> it's just like an absolutely horrible thing. But like now there's all so like the best the best thing though is like when people email me like I like to laugh about it because like all these horrible things happen in life and I'm a firm believer of you have to laugh about it mm-hmm. but like the title of these emails that these Brits come up with just like I love Brit- British people like they're just amazing I love it but like chicken fucker Shane Waters is like the title <laughs> of what they call these people so like people will email me and they'll refer to him as chicken fucker Shane Waters and podcaster Shane Waters just to defer <laughs> For two different people. At least they're differentiating between the yeah. two. Yeah, that's that's yeah. Nice and I would rather be podcaster Shane Waters all I day think, long. Yeah, that's, that's yeah if you had to pick sure. right now, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. do you want to be chicken? It's chicken fucker or podcaster. I think you go podcaster like, most times. Choice. Yeah. But fun fact: after this all happened on my Facebook or anything, any anywhere, I started using my middle initial Shane L Waters. And it's because of this, because I didn't yeah. want people to start Googling, you know, because there's a, because that whole Google alert happened because Fowl clicked yeah. off my yeah. podcast title. Right. So it's close right. enough that it made a mistake that Google clicked it. So, I mean, that it's a problem so and, it, and it's a horrible a problem. <laughs> yeah. Did you think about just changing your socials to be Shane Waters and then parentheses, not the chicken fucker? Well, see, there's a, I don't even want to. <laughs> so, t- 
Twitter will kick me off so quick. <laughs> will... You gotta keep the ignorant people like me in the dark, too. <laughs> yeah. You don't wanna... yeah, people yeah. will kick me off or, so or, quick. Or just in parentheses, just put not that one. Like, Look, and then the people <laughs> yeah, who know. <laughs> Look, the, the moment I started writing an episode on this, I thought the last thing I want to do is make PETA upset with me. Uh, yeah. And I, so right. I am not doing that with that Twitter or anything else. Not doing it. The I'm other Shane Waters it. had no concerns about Peter. No being concerns. Upset with him no, and it's still inactive. Like he is still going through all of that. Oh like it's goodness. a like he's crazy. Like you have Google it. Like for sure. Like the moment you look. At oh, his picture, I googled it. Yeah, I googled Doesn't it after I met you like, in Kansas like, City. Bless his heart. Bless his heart. Bless his heart. You know. Yeah. No, fuck that guy. No, bless <laughs> yeah. his heart. Like, no. no, that guy can, yeah. Mm-hmm. As a quail farmer, I'm just devastated that someone would do that to a bird. Yeah, but no, so the, the Kim Jong-un thing, though, I have to, like, tell you, like, back yes. up a okay, little bit. Yeah, okay, what, so okay. one of my Another early thing Erica seasons, missed. I, yeah, well, I know. You like had if, me sweating, though. I thought this was, like... I thought I really missed something bad. No, this is yeah. So, so, uh, so foul play. I had started it January of 2014. So I've been around for a very long time. And in one of the very early seasons of foul play, it ends up going into and becoming the Netflix documentary series, The Keepers. Right. So Gemma Hoskins and I, who she's one of the main people in The Keepers, uh, continues uh, to look into Sister Kathy's case, who killed her teacher. Um, even just can yesterday, I just, can I just have you back up for just a second? Because I yeah. did not realize that I knew about Gemma and her connection to the case. The documentary was created based on your podcast, or as a result of your podcast. That I wasn't aware of. So Gemma and I. So it's let's back up for just a second. So it's actually a really <laughs> funny story. So I was looking into a murder case in Ohio, Cleveland. Uh, excuse me, a suburb of Cleveland, uh, Garfield. And there was this girl who was who was murdered in 1964. She was a young Catholic girl. So I was looking for other cases that match hers. Uh, one of the things that I do on Foul Play, the full name of Foul Play is Foul Play Crime Series. So I do series. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was looking for cases that match hers. And I was working with that girl's family, her sister and her mom, her late mother now. Her mother was 95 at the time. And I was looking for other cases that could match. And I came across Kathy's case. So if you've watched The Keepers, you know some of the people I'm talking about. So I, I, I locate one of, uh, one of the survivors, uh, Teresa Lancaster, who was Jane Roe during the Doe Roe trial, one of the survivors mm-hmm. of Father Maskell. And I end up having – I talk to her on Facebook, and she agrees to let me record a podcast with her. And she's like, I think I, I may have some details that you may want to know. So I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's talk. So I jump on a I jump on a recording and she tells me details of her abuse and Father Maskell and all this stuff and I literally about fall out of my seat. Like how like at like the keepers was nowhere and like nothing mm-hmm. like you know it was just crazy. And she's like there's another student of hers Gemma you should probably talk to her. She'd like to know what happened to her teacher too. So I get in touch with Gemma and Gemma uh, and I meet up and we start talking. And so we decide that we're going to record a podcast together and keep keep in touch. Um, around that same time, uh, the people who start filming for The Keepers have started talking to the different players. Um, mm-hmm. Netflix was nowhere near the case at that time. Um, Netflix didn't purchase the rights to the, the story yet. So the people who I was talking to were being filmed, but they thought it might just be in someone's basement. <laughs> you know, they, yeah. they thought they might just yeah. all get together one day and watch it, you know. Mm-hmm. So I knew the filmmakers. Uh, we all knew each other and ev- or everyone knew each other and, and all of that stuff. Um, so Jim and I became very good friends. And so did me and Jean and Teresa and, and everyone else who you met in The Keepers. Uh, And then we all stayed in touch and we continued to work on the case. And then when Netflix took over, they immediately, you know, realized what kind of story they needed to tell. They wanted to focus on Gemma and uh, the rest of the ladies telling the story and and what angle that was going to take and all of that stuff. Um, But after the Keepers went out, uh, Gemma and I remained wanting to still figure out what happened. So we've continued to work on the case. We continue to release episodes on the series. So if you've watched The Keepers, 
Gemma and I are still working on the season, the season on foul play. Just yesterday, we still interviewed someone. Um, and that was, so, that was your season two, right? And you have over like 50 that's right, episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So we've, we've, we've tracked down the hunter that found Kathy's body and interviewed him who has still not been interviewed by the police. Um, mm-hmm. the archdiocese of Baltimore finally agreed to be interviewed, but funny story, they would not let Gemma be there. They would let me interview them, but they were mm. afraid of a retired school teacher. So like, how oh. funny is that? <laughs> like, come on now. But they would yeah. let me do it. I ref- I didn't want to do it, but I ended up doing it out of out of out of request because we weren't going to get the, re- the the interview any other way. Sure. Um, but we get a, we've done a lot of interviews that further the investigation, so we're pretty certain that we know what happened to Kathy. Right now, there's there's an attorney general investigation going on in Maryland uh, on the cover up of of abuse by priests. Um, what did the archdiocese know? That investigation has been going on for four years, and so the the ladies who you've met in the keepers, the survivors, they're still waiting for that investigation to conclude. Um, just to let you know, like how long four years is. The other states who have done these this type of investigation, the longest one was two years. So this oh, is wow. ab- very abnormal for it to take four years. So we're still waiting. I was just out in Baltimore uh, recording with uh, Gene and Teresa and Gemma uh, a couple uh, about a month ago, actually. Um, yeah, so we're still actively working on that case and and trying to spread awareness of what happened out there. So That's all that to awesome. say, back to how this turns into the Kim Jong Un thing, and then the chicken fucker Shane Waters. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so the filmmakers for the keepers they go on to uh, record and film a see a um, a documentary on Kim Jong Un's brother being being murdered mm-hmm. by Kim Jong Un. Um, the 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 documentary is called Assassins, and it went out in 2020. And if you've never watched The Assassins or you don't know what I'm talking about, it was uh, Kim Jong-un had – it's a really crazy story. You should watch it. But basically he had um, organized these two young ladies. They they thought that they were on this show like pranked or whatever. And and oh, they like – yeah, they like uh, put what they thought was just like they were going to prank his brother. But it was like a poison. And they went up and like threw it in his face and it was poison and it killed him. Well. Wow. Of course, that doesn't make, you know, Kim Jong-un very happy when you talk out about him or anything like that. Well, around that time, I started noticing that we started getting one download of every episode on the podcast from North Korea. Now, that's <laughs> abnormal. Like, no one in North Korea should be downloading podcasts, right? Like, yeah. that's just not a thing. They're not allowed. Right? Yeah, they're not <laughs> being allowed to be to be listening to podcasts, but like North Korea and like who in North Korea could have access to podcasts and the fact that they're doing this after the assassins is coming out, you know, like it's all kind of weird. And, you know, like the only people I can think of in my head who has access to podcasts would be him or his brother or him, excuse me, him or his sister. So that happens. And then the, then the article comes out with chicken fucker Shane waters. And I'm thinking, (laughs) boy, he is like doing some crazy stuff. Like, yeah, Kim Kim Jong Un is after you. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I told you my life is a hot mess. Yeah. Have, have uh, the, the single download from North Korea? Is that has that been continuing? Yeah. So uh, typically, it, it's it still continues. It does it doesn't happen on every episode, but um, most of the time, it, it still happens. Yeah. Maybe he just loves your show. Maybe, and maybe, maybe you'll notice that this one gets downloaded. You'll have to, you have know, to pay attention. Oh, I've been trying to break into the North Korean audience. You That'd be great. To, yeah, <laughs> and if he's listening, Bob is forcing me to say these awful things about you. Oh. He's he's making me do this, and I really think that you're just misunderstood. <laughs> so. Uh, so Shane, I wanted a, a little bit about you. You, um, we're having a lot of fun on here, but you, you've been very serious in the investigative. You're, you're actually an investigative crime journalist, um, prior to even being a podcaster. Is that right? Sort of. So it's actually a pretty long story, which, you know, what, what story is not a long story. Um, so I, as I mentioned, I started my podcast in 
the first episode went out in January of 2014. Um, prior to that, I actually did stand up comedy. Um, I went to I went to college for forensic psychology, uh-huh. but I was such a book nerd that I didn't know how to talk to people, and I. One of my friends, a group of friends that I was there with uh, at the university, um, talked me into going to an open mic night in Indianapolis, right? Hey. And yeah, <laughs> and they they uh, in Broad Ripple, if you if you're familiar, is it yeah. um, Cheddar's? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So yeah, Erica's from Indianapolis. Yeah. Oh, very nice. <laughs> so anyway, so we end up going. We end up going there. And they end up, uh, you know, having, having, uh, standup comedians. And, uh, as I mentioned, I was, I was a book nerd. I I just really didn't know how to talk to people. And I was, I was there at the university to focus, uh, on my schoolwork. Um, in high school, I was actually homeless my senior year. And so I, I focused on schoolwork. That was how I was going to come out of homelessness. And Mm -hmm. so that, that related into college as well. Um, but when I went to do stand or when I went to the, the comedian, the, the standup show, uh, one of my friends made a comment about how, uh, just, it was an off the wall comment about how that would be something that I would never do, or they could never see me doing something like that. Mm-hmm. And that really made me upset. And I was like, you know, I'm going to prove him wrong. <laughs> like, I'm just going to prove him wrong. And I that ate at me for like a good week. And I signed up for open mic night and I went there. No one had any idea. And I would just, I went back and went back. And when I thought that I was good enough, I was like, guys, we should go to one of these open mic night things and just watch some comedians. And I talked them into going one night and I was one of those, uh, you know, comedians up there and I proved them wrong. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. But I then when I ended that. up graduating, I ended up getting booked uh, as some jobs opening for people and I kept doing it. Do you still do it? I do not. No, I do podcasting full time. Yeah, well, now. listen. So, so do I. But I, you and I need to hang out, Shane, because I am I'm dabbling into that space myself. I go to open mic nights and just did. Um, I just did an hour set <clears> at <throat> uh, Obsess Fest this week, and now I'm hooked. And I live oh, in I a place it. where there's no good comedy clubs around here, so I can't. I'm just. I'm actually. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Todd McComas. Come down to Indy. Yeah, uh, Todd McComas yeah. is also from yeah. Indianapolis, uh, and he's a. True crime right. podcaster and a comedian. I was just talking to him the other day, and we're trying. We should we should put together a true crime comedy show. Bring you out of retirement. Yeah, yes. I'm very familiar with Todd. Todd does shows in Greenwood all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's funny though is when I started doing my podcast um, in 2014, I I didn't. There's there was no comedy in it, and for anyone who has listened to Foul Play, it is completely um, serious. There is no, there is no laughter. It is me uh, most of the time narrating uh, yeah. a, a crime story. So I say that to say though, when I go to do live events, I cannot help myself but to be funny. Uh, it is just something that I cannot help but to do. So like when I'm doing these live shows like this, or when I'm talking to people, I love to make people laugh. Uh, I just, I can't help myself, but. On my podcast, you don't experience that. So it's like an, a little extra adventure for people when they come out to see me that they do Dude, not we, expect. We're the, we're the same people. I mean, <laughs> yeah. my podcast, Truth and Justice, is very serious. Um, but you saw me in front of an audience in Kansas City. That's that's what people get when I'm when I'm live. <laughs> there right. were seven yep. dick jokes, Erica. I got out seven dick jokes in I'm like twenty not minutes. Surprised. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, right. I'm surprised there weren't eight. Yep. <laughs> right. <laughs> There would have been if some it. lady in the front row yelled and said she wanted less dicks and more crime. Is that true? I heard. Yeah, yeah. someone heard did yell enough dicks. That. Yeah, it did happen. What is with you and the hecklers? You had, <laughs> no. remember, I think it was um, Crime Con. Was it this last Crime Con where there was that lady screaming throughout your entire live TV? <laughs> it might have been, oh, yeah, yeah. been Austin. It might have been Austin. Yeah, but... I think it was. I think it was in Austin. Yeah, yeah. it happened. In this moment. I w- it wasn't my show, so I just let it go. But I, w- I wanted to be like, read the room. Like, like <laughs> there was 200 people there all having a good time laughing. And she's like, right. I don't like this. Do what I want. <laughs> um, 
Right. But anyway, I want, I want to get into your to your podcast because you've done some pretty amazing things. The pod, like you said, it's very serious, but and uh, and you've done some awesome work on it. But I I can't move on to that without. Can you can you describe to Erica in the audience your vehicle that you drive? Yeah. So uh, a lot of people ask why I drive it, and it's a hard question to answer. <laughs> but um, the best thing I can say though is I love to make people laugh and I love to make people smile and it makes people smile. Unlike anything that you will ever experience. It sure does. Yeah. So I drive, <laughs> I drive a 2022 model X Tesla that's wrapped as a mystery machine. Yeah. It is a unique <laughs> vehicle. Awesome. Yes. And so like what that I love awesome. about it though, is like young kids love Tesla's. Right. And they also uh-huh. like, you know, and, and like, and like adults love Scooby-Doo. So like, I will have like older men just like roll down their window and just be like, dude, yes. And like, I get so <laughs> yeah. many thumbs up and like smiles. It's just unbelievable. So just like the fact that it makes so many people excited and happy, like that's all that I needed, you know, like that's yeah. just, it's perfect. It's so amazing. I went in in Kansas City. I just stepped outside to get some air for a minute, and I'm like, "Is that the mystery machine?" And and Kelly, our editor, was like, "That's Shane's car." Yeah, and 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 I have a custom license plate that says Clue, so I love when people (laughs) notice that feature. But my favorite part is when people are 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 out there looking at it, you know, and I'm nowhere around it. I like to open the app and open up my Falcon doors just to surprise (laughs) them. Oh my god! Suppose people don't realize, you know, that it's a Tesla, yeah, and then it, awesome. the Falcon doors will just swing open. It's the coolest thing because it's like the most newest technology yeah. you could think of in the Tesla, <laughs> and it's wrapped in the Scooby Doo mystery machine. It's it's yeah. it's it's perfect. It's, it's, and it's I'm amazing. a crime podcaster. Every time I go charge it somewhere, yeah, all the exactly. all the Tesla people at Superchargers, they come over and they're like. So what's up with this? What's going on here? And I'm like, yeah, I just I'm a crime podcaster and I like to, you know, make people smile. And they're like, I'm loving this. And so many people ask to take pictures of it. And I'm like, yeah, do it like all day, every day. Take pictures. Yeah, I'm gonna have to see a picture. Yeah, point. I'll send them. I'll send them over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's awesome. for sure. We'll yeah. all roll down to Indianapolis. We'll meet up with Todd and we'll do a comedy show. And you can uh, get pictures. There of we go. Car. Yeah. Oh, the best yeah. though is like uh, a month ago when I was out in Baltimore, I went to Gemma's. Uh, I went to Gemma's house and I picked her up, and we were rolling around town everywhere. And she's just like, I love this. Just the fact that Shane and Gemma. <laughs> are running around Baltimore in the mystery machine Tesla. Like, this is just perfect. I'm like, I know. Right. Like, where where was this when the Keepers was being filmed? You know? Like, where <laughs> <Yeah>. were... <laughs> they just needed this. Like... Might have taken on a different time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so you, you've mentioned Gemma, Gemma but you uh, you also have uh, crime writer Wendy, Wendy C. Uh, did I pronounce yeah. her name right? Uh, is yeah, also Wendy a, C. A, yeah. A co-host on on your podcast on Foul Play. Uh, mm-hmm. You guys have eleven seasons out so far, um, and at the end, and each one is a deep dive into a case, an unsolved case. And at the end of your investigation, you turn your fi- you actually turn your findings over to law enforcement. Um, so I yeah. can't stress it as fun, as much fun as we're having. How serious of a, of a podcast this is in. You've done yeah. some incredible work, and we're going to talk today about some of the, the the great work that you've done. I believe it was your season one, the the redhead murders. Yeah, and uh, I just want to want to want to touch on a couple points that you made. Um, most on almost all of my seasons, I've been able to be asked by family members of of these victims to come out and help them work on cases. So Wendy and I went out to California on one of the seasons called the Maps. Uh, so we were out in California for several weeks um, because these the the parents of some of these victims um, asked us to come out. Uh, this duo uh, known as the Speed Freak Killers were killing their victims and burying them in holes. They were just throwing them in abandoned shafts, mine shafts, and or excuse me, wells. And a lot of the the victims have never been found. However, one of the serial killers who is in prison uh, started drawing maps of where some of these other victims could be found. 
However, nothing is being done. They're not digging them up. So the families out there in Lodi, California, have just been stuck with no one to help them. And the story, because of a sheriff who corrupted the, the, the county, um, just hasn't, hadn't been shared. So they asked for our help. So Wendy and I went out there to help them. So for 20 episodes, we were out there interviewing them and helping them and creating this, this entire narrative with them. And it's a co- completely sad story. But that's how most of the seasons happen. Um, mm-hmm. During COVID, unfortunately, I couldn't travel. So some of the more recent seasons are seasons that are cases that I have found interesting that I've always wanted to dig more into, but I didn't have to travel to do it. So I'll give that caveat to that. Um, But one of my first seasons uh, that's still on the feed uh, is on the Redhead Murders. And I mentioned to you earlier that in high school I was homeless. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did a really good episode with uh, Justin Evans on Generation Y on the Redhead Murders um, where we talked a little bit about this. And I mentioned being being homeless in high school. Um, But a part of being homeless is this feeling like – no one is looking for you and no one cares and Mm -hmm. you are a throwaway person because no one was looking for me. I was staying the night in a closet in the school auditorium. No one knew I was there and no one was looking for me. Mm -hmm. And the only way that I got out of that situation was when I went to college. So, Going forward to this season of the Redhead Murders, this was a series of women who the serial killer went after in the early 80s. And he was targeted, he was going after these women specifically because he knew that no one would look, look for them and that no one mm-hmm. would care that they were dead because they were sex workers at truck stops. These okay. were very young women. And he. And he was right, ultimately. The case was forgotten about until I came along. I found the case because I have a cousin who lives in a small town called Barbersville, Barberville, Kentucky. And I went to go visit her, and that's how I ended up finding, finding out about this case. And until I came along, the case hadn't been looked at or written about since the 80s. Um, but through that, se- through that season, I was able to do some research and make some calls. I called the TBI, the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation. They told me that it's not an active case. No one's working it. They weren't even sure whose jurisdiction it was in. Um, but I used that season to share the story of these women just in case anyone could help me out there. I didn't know what to do. At the time, I was I was this young podcaster. What could I do to help, you know? Right. Um, but – one of the things I did that I didn't know would cause an impact is I went to the location where each of these women were dumped and I put up a red cross for them. So there are three in Tennessee. There is one in West Virginia. There is one in Arkansas and there is one in Kentucky. And all of a sudden these, this, the news media started picking up on these red crosses that were popping up across the interstates of North America that, no, mm-hmm. that there was no name on them. No one knew where they were coming from. And that's where the entire story started. So a follow-up season that I ended up doing was called The Throwaways. And okay. that season is the update on how I was able to help identify three of those Jane Doe's and how I solved the case. I figured out who the serial killer was. I tracked down uh, his his ex-wife and why I believe he started murdering people. Well, share with us as much as you want about the – you have my yeah. attention. As much as you yeah. want to without giving it away because I want people to go listen to the season. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. G- yeah, give us that story. So his name was Jerry Johns. And the re- the, how, how I tracked him down was because I started looking around for more victims who might have – been victims, but maybe who 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 I couldn't link yet to these women because initially, back when these cases were happening, they were calling them the redhead murders back in the early eighties. Um, however, the language the detectives were using now now keep in mind these were detectives who were in charge of these women's cases. So early on, I wanted to find out like why were these women's cases not being solved like why were they all still jane does 
Mm-hmm. Well, only out of the six, only one of them was ever identified. And she was identified about six months after she was found. And I wrote down a quote here. Uh, he was quoted two times uh, because of things that he said about her after they identified her. And I believe this is why everyone forgot about them and why no one cared. And this is exactly why Jerry Johns got away with this. He said, she has a drug problem worse than my car has a gasoline problem. And he said, her prostitution record stretches from the floor to the ceiling two times. Now, if you are in charge of finding her killer and you are petitioning the public for their help, why are you talking about her in this way? And in that moment, I realized that he was treating her as less than a person. And then I tracked down one of the original detectives and I met him at his house and he told me something that uh, I will never forget. And before I met him, I wondered what made me so linked to these women? Why, why was I so involved and invested in trying to help them? Who I, They were all killed before I was born. Mm-hmm. And when I met him, he told me, Shane, there are likely others, but you'll never find them. And I was like, well, why wouldn't I? Like, if they're out there, I'll find them. And he's like, no, they'll prob- they were probably never ident- – like, they, they were probably never put in as murders. And I was like, why do, you, why do you say that? And he said, because they're throwaways. No one cared. And I asked him That's what a throwaway awful. was. And he explained that if you were a prostitute, if you did drugs, if you were homeless, they were wasting their time looking into your case because no one was going to care and you were a waste mm-hmm. of their resources. And in that moment, I realized that I knew what a throwaway was because I was once a throwaway. And once you were a throwaway person, you know how a throwaway person feels. And if I could feel and if I could help these women, I was going to do it. And after that moment, that's when I went and I was just determined. And I mean, if I could do anything to help these women, I was going to do it. And thankfully now we at least know the identity of three of, of, of four of them now. Um, so I still need help with identifying two of them. Uh, one of them is is one of the women who is found in West Virginia, and the other one was found north of Nashville, Tennessee. That's, that's incredible. And, you know, exactly what you just said is the same reason because um, you can add uh, gay people to the list too. You know, that's why Jeffrey Dahmer right. got away mm-hmm. with what he got away with for so long because nobody nobody cared because right. they were they cons- the law enforcement considered them throwaways. Um, yeah. Or if How you're not a you... white person. Yeah, if yeah. you're a minority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yep. it, and especially if you fit in two of those categories, then forget about it. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. So how did how did you end up uh, tracking down who the actual killer was? So after he told me that, I realized that there probably are other victims. And so I started looking to see if I could find any more because I was so determined that if there were more out there, I wanted to do all, everything in my power to try to find them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also knew... Some part of me knew that he had to have stopped for some reason. Um, either he was he had been killed, he had been arrested, or he was he he was sick. Something happened, and I wanted right. to figure out why. Well, where one of the women was found, uh, just north of Knoxville, Tennessee, um, in Knoxville, there was a victim that I found who got away from her attacker. And I started looking into that case. I ended up going to to Knoxville and then going to Nashville because this guy ends up getting caught and getting arrested and convicted and going to prison for it. So for her, I realized that how she gets away is exactly or how she is dumped is exactly what he has been doing to these other women. So he meets her at the strip club, which is different than these other women. So that, mm-hmm. that was a difference, a big difference. But in the court documents that I was able to find, the way that she describes how he acts when they go to this motel. So he ends up picking her up at the strip club and he brings her back to this motel. And he ends up tricking her into believing that he is an undercover uh, drug agent for the FBI. And he ends up taking her from the hotel to another location and by gunpoint, he makes her go out into the woods 
um, not far from the interstate and ends up strangling her in these woods and leaves her for dead. She ends up passing out. He leaves her for dead, comes back to the vehicle and leaves. Well, he also owned a very small trucking company. And I was like, that's very interesting. And I go and I find pictures of his truck. Well, during my investigation, I was able to track down someone who was an eyewitness and saw one of my Jane Doe victims get into a vehicle that matched his truck description. And and he also matched the description of what this guy told me. So I'm like, okay, so this is really interesting to me. So not only that, but he's also close to the location that one of these other Jane Doe victims was found in. Mm -hmm. So I do a little bit more digging. And so I'm able to find where his ex-wife lives. And he had died just a year prior to me looking into this case. So it's not not like I can interview him in prison. And during that period of time, I'm also uh, trying to get documents from him being interviewed. So I go meet his ex-wife. I show up at her house, which is the scariest thing. Like go showing up in this rural house sure. in Tennessee, knocking on this person's door. Hey, can I talk about your husband who was in prison for murder? You know, I think he might have murdered a bunch of other people. And she was like smoking a cigarette. Like she was just like the coolest lady. She's like, yeah, honey, come on in. I got a, I got a story to tell you, you know. <laughs> and she like tells me this crazy story. And I mean, and she shows me a picture of her and his mom. And long story short, uh, his mom, whose name is Reba, is this this redhead woman. And I've always wondered, like, why is he targeting Mm -hmm. these redhead women who all look the same, young redheaded women? They're sex workers at truck stops. And she tells me that he he had a bad relationship with his mom. And she explains how how that happens. And uh, he develops this hatred for his mother. And around this time when this break happens with his mom is around the time that these murders start happening. And he's targeting these women that look exactly like his mom looked. And then I get this document from when he's questioned when he's in prison. And they ask him about sex workers. And one of the comments he makes is that these are vermin. He says the word vermin. And I said, bingo, this is my guy. Mm. So I write to the TBI and I say, look. I know for a fact that one of these women, the one that's found just north of Knoxville, has DNA on her. Please, please open that case again and explore that DNA evidence. And I believe strongly that will link him to this this man. The TBI never responds to you. They're never going to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, about a year later, they they pull this big press conference in and they announce hey, you know, we, we've been doing this case and we found that we, we pulled this DNA evidence off this and it's linked to, to Jerry Johns. Thank you. Um, by that point in time, though, I was able to track down the sister to that very Jane Doe victim uh, because of the, the podcast that I was doing. She found the image and she contacted me and we contacted the TBI. She's actually out of Indianapolis. So that Jane Doe that's found just north of Knoxville, uh, she was picked up from a truck stop in, 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 Indian, in Indianapolis, uh, Tina Farmer. So her sister and I uh, connected, and then we reported it to the TBI and the uh, Indianapolis State Police, and they were able to connect that that is Tina Farmer, her sister. So by the time that press conference comes out, they don't even tell her sister that they identified the killer. So, so I get noticed uh, the night before that press conference happens, the, the media uh, in, in Tennessee, who knew me by that point in time, because I'm mm-hmm. all over the media at that time, contacts me and they're like, hey, you, you, you probably don't know this because they knew that the TBI wasn't sharing that information, but there's going to be a press conference on this case. You may want to tune in. So I, I called her and I told her and she's like, uh, that's weird because they're not telling me anything. So we're both tuning into this press conference on Facebook Live. And she learns who the killer of her sister is. And the TBI the entire time are patting themselves on the back. And what's crazy about it is the entire time she's blowing up the Facebook chat because she's very upset that they didn't even tell. Like she has to find out on this, you know, Facebook Live. Um, <clears throat> so I do hold that against the TBI 
And I don't know if it's because of a secretive thing that they have going or what the deal is. Um, but I, but I know that for all of the families that, um, that have been identified, they all have a big struggle with the TBI getting information and being told information. They always have to find that information out for some reason when it gets released to the media. I just feel like that, that, that should be information that they receive first. They shouldn't have to find out about it when the, when the media does. Unfortunately with law enforcement, a lot of times we see that, uh, they're not, particularly keen in a lot of cases to give credit to the random podcaster that did their job better than them. Uh, so they, they don't want anybody, anybody at that press conference that might give you credit, but uh, you're owed yeah. all the credit and you did amazing work. Speaking of press conferences uh, in five minutes, I want to get on. Um, I don't know if you heard, but the charges against Adan Syed were dropped today I by Marilyn guess. Mosby. Yes. Uh, and here in just about five minutes, that press conference is going to happen, which I want to check out. Uh, but, uh, your work is incredible. You're actually getting things done, solving cases. The podcast is great. Check it out. His name is Shane Waters, not the chicken fucker, the other one. (laughs) And the podcast is called foul play. Check it out to be your next big true crime binge. Shane, thank you so much. And we definitely need to connect sometime down and, uh, you're not too far from me. So one of these days we need to hook up. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me on. NBI Studios production and is distributed by Audioboom. Produced and edited by Kelly Barron's Brink. Our production manager and co-host is Erica Cantor. Music and show artwork was created by Shane Yoder of PutThemInASong.com and episode artwork is created by John Hayes. Our website, TrueCrimeBinge.com was created by Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com If you're a listener and would like to recommend a future guest or a podcaster that would like to request an interview, you can do so right on our website. And again, that web address is truecrimebinge.com. If you're enjoying the show, please do me a huge favor and take a minute to rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you're using to listen. Make sure you give us a follow on social media. We can be found everywhere at True Crime Binge. And thank you so much for listening. And make sure you tune in next Wednesday morning for another podcaster, another case, and another True Crime Binge. (laughs) 